Well, good evening to everybody. Wishing all of you a blessed Sabbath. Hope all of you had a wonderful week. And friends, please do share your praises. I know that God, He is always with us through the ups and the downs. We can praise Him no matter when, where, and whatever we're going through. God is always good. Well, I had a blessed week this past week. Um, Salt is starting next week and all the things are coming together. I praise the Lord that our lead Bible worker on Sackside who is going to be taking over our, our um, administration role of assault has come back just in time. God is so good. He knows what our needs are. He is so good to each and every one of us. So I'm looking forward to SALT starting. Even though the number is small, friends, it's not too late to sign up for SALT. And for those that don't know, we also have SALT online classes that you can sign up for as well. So if you're not able to make it in person, SALT is a four-month Bible training school that we run. And uh, the dates have been changing because of COVID since two years ago. But we are doing a lot of classes that we've recorded a lot of classes online that you're able to listen to. You can just go to, uh, you can just contact Evelyn at E-V-E-L-Y-N at A-O-Y-Web.org if you'd like to inquire more about those classes. And you can even on my YouTube channel, you can see the first class for each class that we've recorded as well. So you can get an understanding of what the presentations and the studies are like. But um, I, I believe we have about six classes that have been already recorded. So if you're not able to make it online, you can join us uh, in person, pardon me. You can join us online as well. But do keep us in prayer as we're about to start. It's about to get busy. But I praise the Lord we have another pastor who's able to join us on our team to, to teach as well. So God is so good for providing for everything for us. And salt, it's always a hectic season as we are always adjusting things. But God is good. He's been guiding. He's been blessing. Friends, what about you? How has God been good to you in this past week? Well, we're going to get into our study for this evening. We're continuing our series on the Mount of Blessing. We're still in chapter 5. We have still two more chapters after that. But we've been studying verse by verse and the sections and the topics as we've been going through. And this evening, the title of our study is Retaliation and Vengeance. Let's have a word of prayer before we get into the study, shall we? Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for this past week. Thank you for your watch care over us. Thank you, Lord, that you've brought us to another Sabbath that we can come and study your word together. Lord, please guide us now. Lead us with your spirit, Lord. Help us to see the truth as it is in Jesus. Help us to see what you're trying to communicate to us. Help us to see its relevance personally to each of our lives this evening. May you please guide us now, Lord, with your spirit, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, let's jump into our passage for today. It is found in Matthew chapter 5, verses 38 to 42. You have heard that it have been said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say unto you that you resist not evil, but whosoever shall smite thee on thy right cheek, turn to him the other also. And if any man will sue thee at the law <clears throat> and take away thy coat, let him have thy cloak also. And whosoever shall compel thee to go a mile, go with him twain. Give to him that asketh thee, and from him that would borrow of thee, turn not thou away. Friends, what does it mean, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth? 
You know, that is simply talking about revenge. It's talking about justice. It's talking about equality. If you punch my tooth out, I'm going to punch your tooth out. If you poke my eye out, I'm going to poke your eye out as well, right? So that's what it means, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But notice, at the beginning of the passage, Jesus actually says what? Ye have heard that it hath been said by them of old time, right? So Jesus is quoting from somewhere. He's quoting from somewhere, especially, most likely, the Old Testament. Where is he quoting from? Well, there's actually two places. Let's go to the first one in Exodus 21, verses 22 to 25. If men strive and hurt a woman with child, so that her fruit depart from her, and yet no mischief follow, he shall be surely punished, according as the woman's husband will lay upon him, and he shall pay as the judges determine. And if any mischief follow, then thou shalt give life for life, eye for eye, tooth for tooth, hand for hand, foot for foot, burning for burning, wound for wound, and stripe for stripe. And then we also read in Leviticus 24, 19 to 20. Leviticus 24, 19 to 20. Look at this. And if a man cause a blemish in his neighbor, he hath done, as he hath done, so shall it be done to him. Breach for breach, eye for eye, tooth for tooth, as he hath caused a blemish in a man, so shall it be done to him again. So these are the two passages in Exodus and Leviticus that we see where it is quoted from. And this is both times Moses that's giving the law. You see, it was the laws that would govern the nation of Israel when they were coming out of Egypt. Remember, they were a nation of slaves. They had no, no order before that. And so this was a necessary act. It was important because all nations need to be governed by laws, even today. So this type of law even still applies in countries of today as well, right? If you do something bad or wrong to your neighbor, there are repercussions. There are consequences for what you've done. If you steal, there's consequences. If you do drugs, there's consequences. If you lie, there's consequences. Of course, in varying degrees, depending what you've done, right? But there are consequences. If you, if you are speeding, if you run the red light, there are consequences. So look, does this mean that the world is just all wicked because we shouldn't be doing this at all, right? You've heard that it should be, you know, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth, but Jesus seems like he should, we shouldn't be doing this. Is there anything wrong with the world today because we have these types of laws? Absolutely not. Look, we need these types of laws. They are important. They're important when it comes to the running of a country. This is the justice system. This is important, friends. But look, at the time that it was spoken in the Old Testament, God's people were still a nation, and this was good. This was important. But at the time when Jesus is teaching it in Matthew chapter 5, this is God's people. They are no longer a nation, an independent nation. They were a religious body only, okay? They were under Roman rulership. So they didn't have any power to execute or, or any judicial or civil law, 
They could not judge anybody to put them to death, to cause them any harm. There were religious laws still, but they did not have any power of civil laws anymore. The Romans were their masters and they had to abide by Roman rulership. Look, even the priests, when they hated Jesus so much and they wanted to kill Christ, they would have to bring him to the Romans to judge him. Look, they judged him first. Yes, Caiaphas, he judged him first and pronounced him guilty, but even then, they couldn't put him to death. They eventually had to bring him over to where? To Pilate, for him to judge him. He was the only one. He was the governor of the the area there. He was the only one that could sentence him to death. So they had no longer any more civil authority at the time when Jesus is teaching here in Matthew chapter 5. But now look, coming back to Exodus and Leviticus though, right? What offenses are these that are mentioned that are specifically applied there? Was Jesus dealing with the same issues that were mentioned there? When you go back to Exodus and Leviticus, these offenses were what? Referring to such as a person that was killed or permanently destroyed a person's good or caused a blemish to that person's body. But Jesus was dealing with something entirely different. He was dealing with someone that slapped them on the cheek or, or took their coat or, took, or, or told them and compelled them to run a mile. Something very different altogether. So how were people treating the command that was found in the Old Testament in Jesus' days? How were they applying this? You see, they were retaliating to the smallest of things. You didn't You didn't have an eye that was damaged. You didn't have a tooth that was knocked out. It was just a slap to the face, right? It was just a taking of the coat. Of course, it's important. To some people, it's still important if you only have one coat even, especially, right? Not to say that wasn't important, but it wasn't to the degree that what was mentioned in Exodus or Leviticus. So look, what they're doing is they were quoting the law as the reason why they, will, they could take revenge, even to the very smallest of things. Their heart was wrong already. All they wanted was revenge. All they wanted was justice. But you know, on the other hand, when you look at Matthew chapter 5, right, it sounds like Jesus, he's saying that it's okay to let people take advantage of you, right? That, that That's what it... That's what it sounds like. And it really makes us feel silly or or used like, Jesus, really? I can't retaliate at all. I can't do anything at all. Don't resist evil. If they sue you, give them your coat. If they slap you, turn to them the other cheek, right? If, If someone forces you to go a mile, go with them too. Really? Is that really what it means? Wow, it seems like we should let them have more than what they asked for in the beginning, right? What does Jesus mean by all of this? Should we really let people just simply take advantage of us like that all the time? Well, look, Jesus is not meaning that. Of course, there there are some times, yes, we should go that extra mile. But what is he meaning here? He's contrasting it to something else. You see, at the beginning, if someone pokes out your eye or our normal behavior is just to poke out their eye also, right? We seek for revenge. We seek for justice. 
But Jesus is saying, instead of seeking for revenge, instead of seeking for justice all the time, we should humble ourselves, be meek, and not do to them what they have done to you. All right? Don't simply just go out all the time just to go and hurt them just because they have hurt you. And it's not just simply saying someone slaps you, turn to them the other cheek. But no, no, turn away. Not not to say that you just have to let them slap you, but don't slap them back, right? Turn, turn. Christ is focusing what? On how we react when injustice comes upon you. Do you want to just hit them back? Do you just want to hurt them back? Do you want to just revenge? When someone takes your coat, don't go all out to try and take their coat as well. Don't fight them for it. Just give them your cloak as well. When someone forces you to go a mile, don't fight to force them to go a mile with you as well. Just run too instead. You see, Christ, he's more concerned about our reaction to the incident rather than who was right in the first place. Because when we react the same way as how they treat us, we are just as bad as they are. We are just as much in the wrong as they are. And this is obvious in the first example. When someone slaps you, you turn around and slap them back. Does it make it right? No. Two wrongs don't make a right. Remember, Christ is not saying it's okay to let people take advantage of you all day long. All day long, you just, they, they ask you to do this, you got to do it. You, you ask for that, you got to give them extra. It's not about that. But how do you react to the point that are you like them? Are you trying to hurt them? Are you trying to seek revenge? Are you trying to retaliate and, and get back at them because of what they've done to you? How do you react? What is your response to what people do to you? Look at the actions. Look at the actions that Jesus mentions. When they slap you, turn. When they sue you, what should you do? Give it to them. When they compel you, what should you do? Just go the extra mile. When they ask, just give. You see, the question isn't so much about the situation As Jesus can't cover all of the situations, the question is more about how you respond. Do you turn? Do you let them? Do you go with them? Do you give and not turn away? How do we react in all these situations? Christ, he's not concerned about the other person. Yes, they might have wicked intentions. They might hate you. They might be doing it on purpose. Christ is not dealing with that right now. He's dealing with us. How are we going to react? How are we going to change, right? As far as possible, we should help those that are in need. Absolutely. Yes, even at the expense of ourselves. Not that you should mortgage your house just so that you can lend to someone, but if you can, don't harden your heart to turn away from them. So look, when we look at the context of all that we've studied so far, in Matthew chapter 5. Let me show you what we've been through. In the, at the beginning, we see what? The Beatitudes. We see the blessed, 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 right? That famous part of Matthew 5, blessed are they, blessed are they. 
And then in Matthew 5, 13 to 16, we've been called to be salt and light of the earth. Then from 17 to 20, Christ establishes the law. Then in verse 21 and 26, he tells us, don't hate your brother. That's like killing him. 27 to 32, don't lust in your heart after woman. That's like committing adultery. Then from verse 33 to 37, make sure you make your communication clear. Yet let your yes be a yes, your no be a no. Not a yes is a no and a no is a yes. If not, it's like what? It's like lying. But then finally, he says here, from verses 38 to 42, do not retaliate. Look, how does this last one in Matthew 5, 38 to 42 fit in with the rest of all that we've been studying in Matthew chapter 5 so far? What we're seeing is basically it's the last six commandments that Jesus had been pointing at. How we treat others. How we treat our neighbors. How can we be salt and light to the earth? It's how we treat people. Look, don't misunderstand me. The first four commandments are very important. Jesus uplifts them throughout his life and other parts of his preaching and teaching. But so far in what we're seeing in Matthew 5, he's been pointing to how we can love our neighbor. Don't kill. Don't commit adultery. Don't steal, don't lie, don't do all these things, right? The, the law of God has been uplifted, but it's more in reference to how we treat others. Love to our neighbor, love to our brothers and sisters, even love to our enemies. And friends, <clears throat> our love for God will be evidence in our love for others. This is how we can be a blessing to the rest of the world. The Pharisees, they were religious. Look. They, 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 they were churchgoers. They, they, they were focusing on the law. They were teaching religious principles. And that's important. You know, don't curse. Don't make, make sure you keep the Sabbath holy. Look, these things are important. Not to say that these things aren't. The mark of the beast is related to the Sabbath. Did you know that? No other commandment identifies who God is. It is the create. He is our creator. The Sabbath connects to that. And Satan hates that because it identifies him as not God, right? So God is our creator. He's the one that created the heavens and the earth. The Sabbath is important, but these last six, how we love our neighbor, how we treat our neighbor, how we treat others, this is really important. It's not just about the letter of the law. Sure, you didn't kill anybody, but are you hating your brother in your heart? Sure, you didn't sleep with another woman who's not your wife, but did you lust after woman in your heart? Christ, he's been showing us that these commandments encompass more than what we see just at face value. But in this case, look, this one that we're looking at today, this topic, how do you treat this group of people that are coming after you, that clearly don't like you? How are you treating them? They hit you, they they slap you across the face, They're, they're, they're wanting to sue you, They're forcing you, compelling you to run a mile, right? What does this all mean? You see, look, the Roman soldiers, right, they could come up to any Jew at any time. This is about the running, one mile. And they could force him to carry their baggage for one mile. What a shock. I mean, Jesus is teaching all of these things. And you got to understand, he's meant to be the deliverer. He's meant to be the Messiah. But he's teaching them what? 
submit to their authority. Submit to, to what they're asking you to do. Don't, don't fight them. Can you imagine how this sermon would not have gone too well with all those that were listening? What? You're meant to be the Messiah. You're meant to be the deliverer. You're meant to be the one that will deliver us from Roman bondage. But now it sounds like Jesus is saying, don't fight them. No, submit to them. And then borrowing? We need to be generous as we can. Let's not harden our hearts against those that are in genuine need or anybody that's just a stranger off the street, right? People, they weren't taking very well to this part of the sermon as Jesus was teaching them. But how do you treat this group of people? At least three of them, the first three, you can see very clearly that they have evil intent, right? They want to hit you. They want to sue you. They're compelling you, forcing you to do something, right? How should we treat them? How should we treat this group of people? Look at this. 1 Peter 2.23 Who, when he was reviled, speaking of Jesus, reviled not again. When he suffered, he threatened not, but committed himself to him that judgeth righteously. You know, when we commit ourselves, the Bible says it means here to surrender, to yield, to entrust ourselves to that person. We got to trust God that he will work it out for us in due time. It takes faith to trust God like that, you know? Our health, our wealth, our well-being, it takes a lot of faith. And sometimes it's very difficult You know, God tells us, yes, he will avenge one day. In in Revelation, we see this group of people who are crying out. In Revelation 6, 10 to 11, it says, And they cried out with a loud voice, saying, How long, O Lord, holy and true, dost thou not judge and avenge our blood on them that dwell on the earth? This group of people was obviously killed, and they're crying out, God, how long before you're going to judge them and, and avenge us? And it says, White robes were given unto every one of them. And it was said unto them that they should rest yet for a little season until their fellow servants also and their brethren that should be killed as they were should be fulfilled. What was the answer? Look, don't worry about it. Just rest for a season. Other people are going to be killed as well. The answer isn't even given how how long. Just, Just wait. Have patience. Trust me. And you know, friends, there will come time for a vengeance. We don't, we don't know when that is. Christ just says to the saints, just rest now. Yes, you can pray for it. But how should you react? How should we react? We should allow God to do it in his time and not ours. And it takes faith to hold on to the promise that God one day will avenge, that God does see what is happening and he will take care of it in his own time. You know, Here is some other clear counsel about how we should react in times of injustice and hatred. Proverbs chapter 20, verse 22. Say not thou, I will recompense evil, but wait on the Lord and he shall save thee. We are counseled, what? To wait on the Lord. We are to have patience. We are to trust that God knows what he is doing and it's not for us to retaliate or to revenge. But it's so interesting, we're told here that we are to wait for what? Not God to revenge us, but for God to save us. You see that? 
It's not even talking about vengeance. Look at another one. Proverbs 24, 29, the Bible says, Say not, I will do so to him as he hath done to me. I will render to the man according to his work. You know, we are to tell ourselves that we are not to do to that person what he's done to us. We are not to treat them the same way. We are not to be like them. We're not to stoop down to that low level of how they have treated us. Christ is so clear in the book of Proverbs. But then in the New Testament also, and this is quoting from really the Old Testament, Romans 12, 20 to 21. Therefore, if thine enemy hunger, feed him. If he thirst, give him drink. For in so doing, thou shalt heap coals of fire on his head. Be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. And that's the main and important point here, friends. Don't be overcome with evil. Don't treat people the same way that they have treated you. When, when they have hurt you, don't go out of your way to hurt them back. And even when you have the opportunity, when they are at your mercy now, don't do it. Don't be overcome with evil. Don't revenge because when you're doing that, you have been overcome by the wicked one already. You are exhibiting the characteristics of Satan and not our Father in heaven and Jesus Christ, our Savior. Friends, we got to be like Christ. We got to react how he reacted, which was like a lamb that was led to a slaughter. When, when they hurt him, he did not retaliate. When he stood before Pilate, he did not retaliate. He did not say anything. His people could have fought as an army, but he did not. But he committed himself to God who judgeth righteously. He also had faith to understand that God the Father knew what he was doing. If our enemy is hungry, feed him. Thirsty, give him water to drink. And when we do this, this is the Christian's vengeance. We will heap coals of fire on their head. Their conscience will burn because they'll be wondering, why are we being so kind to them when we've been, all we've done is be mean to them? Their conscience will be pricked. And if anything, they'll have an opportunity to be brought closer to God. You know, it's not about us. It's not about our lives. It's not about our comfort. It's about the will of God and His glory and how the character of the Christian needs to shine through, especially in conflict. So, if someone slaps you, turn. Turn away. Turn the other cheek. Not in an arrogant way, but turn and not slap back. Most of the people in this world, they would turn around and slap you back. But that person, and when you turn, there'll be an amazement that you're not retaliating. Friends, it's not about being right. It's about being righteous. The right thing to do, really, is to slap back. And I think everyone that's turned around is like, yeah, yeah, slap him, slap him. He deserves it, right? Many people would egg you on and say, yes, do it. They deserve it. But the right thing to do pardon me, the righteous thing to do is to turn and not revenge. I want you to consider a story in the Bible. King Saul and David, he hated David because he was jealous of him. You know, one day they were marching in and David had killed his ten thousands, Saul had killed his thousands. They were attributing more praise to, to David than to their king and he got jealous. He, he, all this jealousy started to build up and he began to have this hatred for David. 
and that hatred knew no bounds to the extent that he began to hunt David and David had to run for his life like a fugitive and he was a fugitive for many years and throughout those times King David he had the opportunity to kill Saul once it was in a cave where where David and his men were hiding and and Saul came into that cave to rest himself and and to just you know relax for a while and the second time David creeps down into his camp while they're all asleep and takes his javelin and his water bottle right two times two times David had the chance to avenge even his soldiers were saying just let us kill him just once I'll strike through and he won't survive I'll only need one shot David just one shot but instead of doing what was right by taking vengeance he did that which was righteous by waiting patiently on God and his timing to take care of Saul David knew that he would be king someday but he didn't know when he had been anointed by by Samuel the prophet long before King Saul ever heard about him but what patience he needed to trust in God that he would work out his plan at the right and perfect time you know friends in order to have this sort of patience we really need to commit ourselves fully to God will we need really need to have this full trust in the God that we serve and that we follow why because so many times we want to take matters into our own hands we want to deal with people just as humans do justice right what is right and I'm so often like that I like to have that justice right you were late you shouldn't have done this we like to pardon all these things but you know there's coming a time friends there's coming a time in the future a time of trouble such as never was when people will hate you for doing good they will hate you for obeying the law of God even Matthew 5 in the Beatitudes talks about this time look at this in Matthew chapter 5 10 to 11 the Bible says this blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness sake for theirs is the kingdom of heaven blessed are ye when men shall revile you and persecute you and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for whose sake for my sake when you are doing that which is right when you are righteous when you are following the will of God there's going to be a group of people that will hate you that are going to speak lies against you how are you going to react then you haven't done anything wrong you haven't done anything that was worthy of hatred except that maybe they were envious of you or jealous of you or seeking for their own reputation this is exactly what happened with Christ as well all he ever did was live a righteous life and he was healing people and teaching but the crowds were drawing after Christ and so the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the scribes they were so jealous they hated him so much the nail in the coffin was when he resurrected Lazarus from the grave and they said okay that's it Christ has to die all this time they hated him because he was righteous he was spotless he was perfect and at his trial when Jesus was standing there they were throwing out all these lies to condemn him look at how he responded in Matthew chapter 26 59 to 63 now the chief priests and elders and all the council sought false witness against Jesus to put him to death but found none yea though many false witnesses came yet found they none and the last came two false witnesses 
and said, this fellow said, I am able to destroy the temple of God and to build it in three days. And the high priest arose and said unto him, Answerest thou nothing? What is it with which these witness against thee? But then it says what? Jesus held his peace. Do you see that? Jesus held his peace. He did not say anything. He was silent, even in the face of false witnesses, of peeping people throwing out their lies against him. Yet he was quiet. We need to have this faith, this same faith in the face of persecution, friends. Anything short of that will not get us through to the end. The Bible says here in Revelation chapter 14 and verse 12, here is the patience. You see that? There's patience. Here is the patience of the saints. Here are they that keep the commandments of God and the faith of Jesus. Friends, we need to experience those Beatitudes. We need to experience all that Matthew 5 has taught us so far. We need to have the law of God written in our hearts and our minds, the spirit of the law, not just the letter. Our experience today must be more than just a form. We need a real and living experience with Christ, and it does not come by accident. It requires effort. It requires perseverance and a strong will to push forward with Christ, to spend that time in prayer, to spend time in his word. It takes perseverance because, like a marriage, it's not a sprint. It's a marathon. And then our fruits will show whether we have spent time with Christ or not. Then our lives will testify to the fact that we're more than overcomers through Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior that we can be a salt and a light to everybody. If friends, it's not just about I'm being faithful, I'm, I'm not doing this, I'm not doing that, I'm not eating this, I'm living this way, I'm going to church. It's not just about the do's and don'ts of my life. But it's even beyond that, how we're treating others, and especially not our friends, not our church members, not the pastor. It's how we treat our enemies that Christ is concerned with. Do you see that? For it's easy, it's, well, I shouldn't say it's easy, it's easier to be patient with those that you love. But how about those that hate you? You might not hate them, but they have so been so spiteful, they have been so wicked, they've gone out of their way to try to destroy your lives. How would you treat them? How? It won't be easy. But that's why we can claim the promise in Philippians Chapter 4 and verse 13, I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. Friends, without him we can do nothing, especially when it comes to the treatment of our enemies, those that are going out of their ways to hurt us, to hate us, to destroy us. Only Jesus can give us that sort of love. Only Jesus can help us. Only the Holy Spirit can transform our hearts to be filled with that love and have that desire and the right reaction, not to retaliate, not to slap back, but to live the life that Christ lived. The only way is to have him abiding in our hearts, friends. And so, maybe you're at the beginning of your Christian walk and all seems good, but there's coming a day 
in the near future that people are going to hate you for doing good, for doing God's service, for being faithful, for being righteous. May God help us that our obedience, our Christian life goes beyond just forms, but truly that we're changed and transformed from within. Let's pray. Father in heaven, Lord, we realize that we are so unlike you, that we are so far from you. Lord, please help us. Help us to see that how we treat others, it really shows, it really shows whether we have your heart or not. Lord, please help us. Guide us to that end. Lead us in the path of righteousness, Lord. I pray, Father, that you would write your law in our hearts and minds that you would fill us and baptize us with your Holy Spirit, that all the world may see that truly we have Jesus abiding in our hearts. And so, Lord, please be with my brothers and sisters. Be with all of us. Prepare us, Lord, for the times ahead. And even now, maybe some of us are in perplexity as to why we're going through certain situations. We were innocent. We didn't do anything wrong. We never asked for it. But give us faith and patience and love and trust in you to get through this time. Lord, strengthen us, be with us, and continue to guide our lives is our earnest plea and prayer. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.